I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1798, the first serious fistfight occurs in Congress. I'm not sure what that means by uh, serious, but uh, welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history? I am your American Doctor Who Zachary, and I don't have a police box, because when you need to trek across space and time to find the secrets of the universe, you need something built to last. The new Ford F-150 has a 10,000-pound towing capacity and up to 25 miles per gallon on the time stream. Time might be wibbly-wobbly, but you won't need to be in the new Ford F-150. Built Ford tough. This episode brought to you by the Ford Tacoma. (laughs) My name is Megan. I'm your local neighborhood anarchist. If you want to come to a meeting, we don't have a set time or place, so show up whenever and wherever. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm Matt. Zach and Megan just used up all the intro time, but I'd like to shout out to everyone's Gam Gams. Bless up, Gam Gam. Amen, brother. Amen, especially, brother. honestly, especially during a pandemic, like yeah, ble- bless up, yeah, Gam bless Gam. Up, Gam Gam. <laughs> bless up, Gam Gam. You need all the blessings you can get. Find your local cleric. Fucking bless up. Yeah, man. dude. <laughs> Lay on hands. On the game games. Lay on hands. <laughs> Talk to your local paladin if lay on hands is right for you. Yeah, if lay on hands. <laughs> Honestly, right. I would I would respect Wizards of the Coast so much if they came on like a pharmaceutical company. It was just like, hey, are you feeling tired? Fatigued? Depressed? Feeling low on HP? You need lay on hands. You, you might want to talk to your paladin and about it's just lay on cocaine. hands. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's just cocaine. You got cocaine in your blood. No, it's uh, you got ghosts you in got your ghosts blood. In you your should blood. do cocaine about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, game of rock paper scissors has been played, and the winner tonight was Zach, which is why he's going last. And I'm going first. Uh, I mean, the winner is everybody, but yes. Well, yeah, we all win when we learn things about history. Wow. That was the nerdiest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> God damn, yeah. Okay. And I'm the honest. history we started major. started this with a discussion about uh, lay on hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Zach did an entire commercial for the Ford F-150. Tacoma. So. <laughs> the Tacoma, the Toyota Tacoma F-150. This is off to a great start. This is off to a great start. But mostly I want to hear about your story, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, great. <laughs> Before I intro my story, uh, I'd like to say that we have some pretty incredible friends who send us some pretty neat stories, and my story this week was sent to me by Kat, who is the girlfriend of one of my high school friends. So shout out to Kat. Kat. 
and relating to my story with regards to the story pertains to sex workers and Kat is currently trying to make it big on OnlyFans. So you can check her out at only or on OnlyFans at onlyfans.com slash little miss kitty cat spelt with two T's. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> okay, so as I mentioned, my story regards a prostitute as they would have been called back in those days. Nowadays, we tend to call them sex workers. But anyways, it's relating to a woman named Phryne. Hingdeherga Shishkaburban? Yeah, exactly. Not that as good thing. of a name as Little Miss Kitty Cat, but I guess. For sure. So according to sources, her real name was Nasarit. Better. And uh, Phryne is actually a derogatory term given to most courtesans or women of the night. Oh. This woman is famed for her beauty and being uh, a sex worker is is kind of okay. her whole deal. Got it. Like, literally looking her up, she was the muse to several artists, and she fucked a lot. <laughs> I mean... What a That's awesome. what two good lines to have on your CV, right? Like <laughs> I honestly feel like I would love for that to be on my tombstone, but I know that it won't be. All I can think of is uh, Run the Jewels. What's that? Uh, Run the Jewels is this, this band, and it's like if they talked about the this, when one of their songs they have, or like on my business card it says, "You're in luck. I do two things: I rap and fuck." So... Wow! If you're yeah, gonna choose two things again. To have on your CV, to be known for your epitaph, if you will. <laughs> Fuck a lot, be amused, or rap. Like, those are your yeah, options. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, fuck, fuck a lot and inspire art, or fuck a lot and be the one making it. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. That's the true meaning of life. She's soups famous for being a model, for being just this super rich sex worker she had several statues made of her that were put in several very important temples and things and the crazy thing about this is that the story that i'm about to tell you changes depending on who uh is telling it there was a point in her life where shock upon shocks she was put on trial for Blasphemy. Bum, bum, bum. Man, it's always blasphemy. I'm so tired <laughs> of the church being in people's business. It's uh, So this is ancient Greece. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet, but like, if anyone can fuck right off with the concept of blasphemy, it was the ancient Greeks. Because they were pretty debaucherous. I was about to say, Greek. we all know from sloppy Socrates that the Greeks <laughs> fucked. They fucked hard, too. And this woman fucked a lot. I probably should have mentioned at the beginning of the story is that it was ancient Greek, because then the whole, like, reveal of it being blasphemy would have been a little bit more exciting. But I can't rewrite history unlike the Ford F-150 that travels through time. <laughs> so, instead, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you about this woman who had several lovers. She gets put on trial for, I guess, the, the one that's most commonly brought up is impiety. Piety is basically acting in such a way that her actions could be considered sacrilegious 
to the gods. And she goes on trial, and of course, one of her lovers is her lawyer, um, <laughs> which is which is fucking amazing. the The crime of impiety, the the crime of blasphemy in ancient Greece, was one that was sentence sentenceable by death. You would you would get like exiled or killed or. It was it was a bad time for all involved. Bad time. So this was this was a capital capital punishment here that she was going up against. The funny thing about this is the ways in which this story are kind of changed. I'm about to hear some like courtroom drama, aren't I? I know. Yeah, you're about to hear something something pretty crazy. You tell me that, like, her lawyer was a a former lover or a current lover. I don't know. But all I can think of is instead of, you know, you have that person that says, hey, I know a guy. She's over there like, hey, I fucked a guy. And that's just how I know everyone. Which, hey, kudos. I mean, literally in the article that I read about her life, it said her... Her capital charge was defended by the orator Hyperides, who was one of her lovers. Honestly, he was going to give her the best offense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could kill her, but have you seen what she does with a dick? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, have you experienced it before? Because I'm no, not guys, saying... for just one fucking gold piece... <laughs> Tying it back to uh, for just one it back to gold D&D piece, here. you will see the color turquoise because of her. I don't know how she for does just it. One gold piece, you too can have a conversation with Zeus himself. But Zeus for himself, one gold guys. piece, you can ride in the metaphorical time traveling Ford F one fifty Tacoma. Thank and, you. Uh, these these fucking Greek uh, <laughs> Greek lawyers are just like, what the fuck is an F one fifty? And it's like, I don't know. Is it a Toyota Tacoma? <laughs> um, anyways, she's inventing cars. She's that good. She's inventing cars. That's how good she is at sex innuendo. Um, <laughs> I can't think of one right now. but So anyways, she's accused of blasphemy. She's accused of impiety. And she goes to court. And now this is told several ways. The first is your classic. She went in, fell to her knees, cried because she was a woman in front of a group of men. And they decided to acquit her out of pity. And by all accounts, that's the more accurate version of what happened. Essentially, she walked into this room, she presented her case, she went to each juror one by one, grabbing them by the hand with tears in her eyes, and essentially just cried for her life, is the thing that most people agree happened during her trial. The power of tears. Power of tears, but... You say most however, people, and I was... How, how, however, some historians write this story very differently. Why did your voice get so sultry? Because I just shoved my mouth up against the mic <laughs> for the sexy sexy sounds. Oh, okay. So anyways, uh, the other side of this story, the other side of this coin, is that this woman walked into the courtroom... Mm-hmm. Threw off her robes. Oh, yeah. And said to the jurors, Do you really want to condemn this? Fuck yeah! (laughs) Fuck yeah! Oh. And then, 
a less a less striking version of that is that her lover and lawyer Hyperides, noticing that her defense was not really working all that great, just decided to like expose her breasts in the middle of trial. But like, I love the idea of this woman just strutting into the the courtroom and just like, do you really want to kill me? Look at these things. Look at these. I was about to say. Like, this woman walks in, rips off her robe, twirls around and says, are you going to make this ass a quit or what? <laughs> Dude, honestly. So, like... So, I think... I think I I actually remember this story, and I don't want to take the the wind out of your sails if you're going to say this. Um, I probably might. Okay, so I'm going to actually... Knows? I'm going to let you get to the end, and then I'll... Okay, dope. So, the reason... It, it's important to note that she was actually acquitted. And as I said, most historians believe that she was acquitted because the jury pitied her. Um, but in these more dramatic retellings of this story where she comes in and she bears her body for this group of jurors, the the story is actually that it was out of superstition that they acquitted her. And the reason being is that in ancient Greek culture, if you were beautiful with regards to your physical prowess, many Greeks believed that to be a gift from the gods. So this woman, essentially, by showing how beautiful she was, instilled a fear into the jurors that she was given this gift of beauty by Aphrodite, and was therefore unable to be killed because she herself was a gift from the gods. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, too, because, like, that's one of the reasons I see that story floating around, is because yeah, uh, it's it's a really interesting defense if that's how it went, right? You know, if you're, she's convicted of so blasphemy. Yeah, but then, by all accounts, it is really the, the, the less historically accurate, apparently. For once, I'm gonna say fuck the historically accurate on a history yeah, podcast. Exactly. Because walking into a courtroom and having the absolute stones to be like rip robe off and say, I am a gift from the gods, so either acquit yeah. me or you're all damned. Yeah, and I feel bad, Megan, I just interrupted you. What were you saying? Oh no, I was just I just think it's like a very interesting um like the the concept of theology and aesthetics, like because if you are beautiful, people usually say, Wow, you're blessed by the gods or like you are blessed by God. So the fact that she's convicted of blasphemy going against the gods, but then you have like her being aesthetically beautiful is just, I don't know, that's very interesting to me, like, the dichotomy of her being convicted for that. Yeah, it's kind of like, you're gonna convict me for this thing that clearly, uh, if you believe what you're saying, ain't true. Yeah, like, you're contradicting your own beliefs. Yeah, so that's, I don't know, that's cool. She challenged their idea of what blasphemy was. She's like, isn't this kind of blasphemous for you to put me to death for this capital crime of blasphemy? <laughs> <laughs> And she's just, she turns it's, to her she lawyer. She used the fucking Uno reverse card. Yeah, dude. Exactly. She turns to her lawyer and she's like, hey, hey, get, uh, write this down. Write this down. I want people to remember this. Should we be putting them on trial? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
But like I said, this whole story is kind of warped by the fact that most historians say that jurors were often swayed by uh, women in these cases. They would often not try women or not uh, send them to any sort of punishment because they pitied them. But I, I kind of agree with Zach here. And it really is... It really is sort of an interesting story of this woman, like, shoving her body in the face of men and forcing them to deal with it. Yeah, dude. It's like, oh, I did this, I made you uncomfortable, but I'm doing it more. How do we feel now, boys? How do we feel now, boys? Well, I think that's also, um, based on my my very tentative understanding of the of how people are convicted um women who are deemed more attractive and are on trial tend to either be acquitted more often or if they end up going to jail serving less time than their less aesthetically pleasing counterparts i don't know how to say that kindly um (laughs) so what you're getting at is the fact that beautiful people get better treatment yeah, it's kind of like the rich always get free things, like pretty people kind of are given the same treatment. But like it's a double-edged sword too because I don't know, like society yeah. puts a lot of conflicting pressures on pretty people. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying, you know, everyone everyone has their own struggles, but it is like a a psychologically and scientifically proven fact that like people who are perceived as more aesthetically pleasing, more beautiful tend to get you know, more things kind of, I wouldn't say handed to them, because, I mean, that's not, there is a lot of pressure on, you know, being, which you are considered beautiful, staying beautiful. I mean, there's a whole pan, the whole, like, issue with eating disorders in this country, but well, that's a whole other topic, but it's more like it is perceived that, like, people who are, say, like, they, if they were to get in trouble, if you're perceived as someone who's beautiful, you're more likely to get out of it and, and things like that. Um, yeah. But I, I think I'm going to put my you know, exclamation mark on the end of this story by saying, and I don't know if I'm using this correctly as a straight white male, but I'm just going to say fucking pussy power. I love it. (laughs) Dude, I honestly, if I could walk into a courtroom, like if I could commit, you know, an act of blasphemy, blasphemy, and then walk into a courtroom and be like, yeah, but these tits though. I mean, the so the craziest thing, too, is in doing research, this is not the first time that breasts have been used in a courtroom in ancient Greece to just arouse compassions of the jurors. Arouse. Who, mind you, are, like, 100% male in these cases. So, like, I... The, the way that I'm seeing this after reading that bit of knowledge, though, is that, like... They're used as pieces of punctuation, almost. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, like, sort of like a Pavlovian response to breasts, where it's like, this man did not do this, and he just rips off a, a, a nearby woman's shirt. <laughs> and the jurors are like, ah, see, I didn't believe in this at first, but that gentleman has shown me a woman's breasts, and I'm, I'm on his side now. I was going to say, it's just like, huh, you make a fair point there. But there's like a couple, actually. one gay dude on the jury who's just like, they're guilty, okay, though. Okay, but here, hey, here, hang on. Ancient Greece was okay. like 
was rife with rife. gentlemen who preferred gentlemen. Okay. Yes. So, like, I don't think that's... There were a few. Yeah. On... I don't think we could single it out to just one. I'm not going to get into the gender or sexual politics of ancient Greece. However, I am going to say, I think anyone can appreciate the female form. (laughs) And if you are going to, again, go back to the idea of blasphemy and saying that, you know, to be beautiful is to be blessed by Aphrodite, it's... I think it's less about her stripping naked and being like, hey, bazoombas, and more being like, blaspheme this, motherfuckers. Blaspheme this. Blaspheme this, motherfucker. Honestly, what a... I would have that as a bumper sticker, just like a picture of tits, and then underneath it in very frilly writing, it just says blaspheme this. this. I think that's where we... we, That's a new merch idea. We're just gonna get like a really simple drawing like of just some breasts, and it'll say blaspheme this. Yeah, welcome to the part of the podcast where we think of a way to monetize our hobby... If you have any suggestions, let us know. I have an iPad. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was uh, that was my story. Um, wasn't super juicy, unless you were one of the jurors. <laughs> I was going to say, the only thing... Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm, no. I'm going to shut my mouth. <laughs> I want to know. Say it, Zach. Don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, coward! You can I was gonna say the only thing juicy from that was them tits. Oh wow! I was gonna say don't pussyfoot around. Ah, it. the objectification. Yeah, that's of why women. I didn't want to say it. Ah, uh, so now that my story is over, after I've bared my yeah, breasts did you to did you, you rip off your own shirt or someone nearby to punctuate <laughs> the ending of that story? <laughs> I did indeed, and now I will hope that all the viewers are on okay. my side and vote, vote to, to quit. quit. But that being said, I will pass the baton that doesn't exist, the, mm. ethereal, baton, the ethereal baton, to my friend Magan. Magan, that is my new name. Yeah, so I have uh, a few weeks in a row early on. I think I did a lot of doom and gloom stories. I wasn't a- aware. Are we back to the doom and gloom? Absolutely not. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> I was ready to be depressed. No, you're not going to be depressed. This is actually a really funny one. I was ready to. I was ready to flip that switch. <laughs> yeah, well, put it. Take your finger off the switch, okay? I got to turn all these keys and put the all glass right. back down over the big red button. Yeah. Damn it! Turn everything off, okay? Sit in the dark. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to regale you now with two of my favorite things: spaghetti and hoaxes. So uh, strap in. You're on a hoax binge. I love it. I know. I'm on a hoax binge, dude. It was after Virginia Woolf. So I'm going to take you on a mental journey. Um, The year is 1957. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on, on. We're going on a journey. I need. Yeah, that's why I said strap in, dude. You got to click... Yeah, but Click it or ticket! I heard strap on. (laughs) Strap into your new Ford Tacoma. Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> Click it or ticket. Oh, thanks. I hate it. Are you uh, anyway, are you just... strapped in, strapped on? I'm buckled, okay, up. buckled up. I'm strapped in. I'm strapped on. All right. I'm ready to go. <clears throat> the year is 1957. We're in Britain watching the BBC. The current affairs program mm-hmm. called Panorama. A family in southern Switzerland appears on the TV, and they are harvesting something long and noodle-like from a tree. It's spaghetti. 
they're bringing in this year's bumper crop. It's doing well because of a mild winter and the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil. You wholeheartedly believe this is how people make spaghetti. So, Fuck this yeah. mental journey is to tell you the story behind the spaghetti hoax. Yup. Uh, this mental journey was brought to you by the Ford Tacoma. <laughs> Ford Tacoma. Time travel, bitches. I can't. With the Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be a doozy to edit. I don't even know what a Tacoma looks like. I'm picturing a Silverado. (laughs) (laughs) They're all trucks, Megan. They're all trucks. Anyway, uh, so this joke of a program was aired during April Fool's Day. And the reason so many people in the UK believed it is because spaghetti at the time was largely unknown in the United Kingdom. So a lot of British people were unaware that it was made from wheat and flour and water. Uh, Alongside this program was footage of a traditional harvest festival where they discussed the breeding necessary to develop the perfect noodle length. (laughs) And the guy who came up with this whole hoax was the panorama cameraman Charles de Jaeger. He remembered how his teachers at his school in Austria teased his classmates for being so dumb that they would believe someone if they told them that spaghetti grew on trees. Which... How... You take a sentence. You take a sentence that somebody says, and you make a hoax Yeah, dude. Yes, but, like, I am thinking of this in terms that I know. Like, I was in the Boy Scouts for a long-ass time. I'm an Eagle Scout, and, like, one of the things that was, like, a big joke is, like, you would give a hoax, give a prank to some of the younger Scouts and tell them to go find a current bush. Like, how else are we going to plug everything in for the night? You need to go find a current bush. And so you'd have them sent, like, sending around trying to find a plant that doesn't exist to plug stuff into because they're dumb. That just sounds like a D&D quest. That awkward moment when you find, like, a a bush... Generates electricity? Produces... No, produces like currents. The oh. Yeah, I was like, and they come back and they're like, "Hey, we've... they come back and they're like, I found it, but I don't know how we're gonna get electricity out of it. But here's some berries. <laughs> Way to turn it around. And technically, on but then they're not wrong. It's a difficult situation. But also not right. But they're also not right. Yeah, I'm. I'm really sorry that we keep derailing you tonight, Megan. It feels worse than usual. But please tell me more about this hoax about spaghetti. Oh no, it's fine. I mean, really, I was I was very impressed with the fact that he came up with this whole hoax because at one point, while he was a boy in Austria, some teacher was like, "Man, these students are so dumb. <laughs> They're gonna believe anything." That's what I'm saying, though, is that like it's crazy to me that this kid, this Austrian youth. We're not talking about the other Austrian youth, but I'm talking about, like, this kid in particular that was like, hey, that sounds crazy enough. Yeah, so, I mean, he, like, grew up, right? And he was like, man, I have a job now, like a real person job. What if? Yeah, but that's a long time to hold on to. That's a long time to hold on to a memory. He heard this once as a child. He, He heard... 
her this once. One time. When when he's sitting there job hunting, like he's sitting there and he pulls up the, the fucking Sunday paper and is like, let me look at the listings, the job ads, la da 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 Like, do you think he's going in in his mind like that thing, that like sentence is in the back of the head and he's sitting there looking and he's like, where can I pull this shit off? Where can I pull this shit off? Where can I pull this shit off? <laughs> Cameraman for the BBC? Fuck yeah, I know what I can do. Yeah, I can't. Camera, they're gonna let. Oh man, I'm gonna make people regret hiring me or love it immediately. immediately. No, I think he immediately got people to regret hiring. I don't know, man, because like he he pitched this idea to the Panorama editor, who gave who then gave him a hundred pounds and said, "Yeah, go for it. If you can produce this, a hundred pounds is a fortune. yeah." In 1957, he got handed a hundred pounds by his editor. Said go for it and he was like not only am i gonna go for it but he got a respected broadcaster to lend his voice to make the joke work this was a man this broadcaster who got up every night and told people the news that they needed to hear and for all intents and purposes this is like the the walter cronkite of of britain and they were like what he's saying must be true and it worked even more because at the time pasta was considered an exotic delicacy. So all of these British people were sitting, watching the BBC, hearing an authoritative voice saying, well, I've never seen how pasta is made, so this must be true. And the best part is 8 million people watched this program and hundreds of people phoned into the network asking for more information about spaghetti cultivation <laughs> and how they could grow their own spaghetti trees, to which the BBC did not say that's fake. They leaned into it and were like, yeah, man, all you have to do is place a sprig of spaghetti in a tin of tomato sauce in the ground and hope for the best. I love it. Oh, I love that they rolled with it. Also, also, I did the math. Oh my god! Thank oh, God thank someone god. did. Because I was in the middle of doing the math, so and I was a hundred pounds myself. in 1957 would equate to today being a right around 2,426 pounds. Now, 2,426 pounds is equal to 3,383 dollars. Which isn't a Dang small it. amount a, yeah. for for a joke, right? That's like, it, it would be like the equivalent of you telling your boss that you were like, I'm going to pull a prank. And he's like, okay, here's 500 bucks for as much saran wrap as you can get. <laughs> Cover all the fucking toilets. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Well, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest prank is when you, uh, when you pocket that 500. Oh yeah, dude. That's not a prank anymore. That's a hustle. I was going to say, you pocket that 500, yeah. put on your sunglasses, and jump into your Ferrari, because that's not the first time you've pulled that shit. $500 Ferrari. Bargain What Ferrari. I'm going to say is, like, you know, you do that one time, you have $500. You do that 100 times, you got... You got a Ferrari. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do the math on that. <laughs> I think it's fifty thousand. I need you to stop being so. No, it's five thousand. It's not enough to buy a Ferrari. No, it's no, who I wait. am. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yep, 50,000. Come on, man. Yeah, you're over here judging me for my poor math skills. Zach over here is... is you know, ping-ponging in between 5,000 and 50,000, which I'm not good at math, but that's a big <laughs> that's difference. That's a big difference. Also, don't shove the blame onto me. Still not enough to buy a Ferrari. Uh, uh, I need to hear how this story gets resolved, me No, that's it. It doesn't get resolved? That's it? That's it. So we just had a ton of British people thinking that spaghetti grew on I'm trees? I'm sure there's an older British person out there who never learned. <laughs> Kimmy? Timmy, can you go cultivate the spaghetti noodles from the tree out back? Grandpa, what the fuck are you I planted about? a sprig of spaghetti in 1957 like the BBC told me. And now it should be just about grown enough for us to have our first ever... Harvest. Pasta dinner. Grandpa, we had spaghetti last week. Oh, where'd you get it from? Whose spaghetti tree was that from? <laughs> it wasn't homegrown, was it? You also make me laugh because I'm also remembering in the back of my head a story that I was told as a child that my uncle, um, my grandfather, constantly would tell us kids, and he also told this to his children when they were small enough and dumb enough to believe it, that if you saved all of the brown M&Ms and planted them, you could grow an M&M tree. Oh, no. Uh, And apparently at one point in his life, my uncle, being a gullible small child, had saved up all the brown M&Ms in his underwear drawer. And my grandmother went to go, like, put fresh laundry inside of his sock drawer. And it was just this melted hunk of brown M&Ms because you needed to plant an M&M tree. And grandma probably thought it was... (laughs) No, I mean, it's very smelly chocolate. Like... Oh, no. Bless up, Gam Gam. Bless up, Gam-Gam. bless up for having to deal with a literal giant pile of melted M&Ms. <laughs> oh, no. That's like the Jurassic Park moment, but with melted <laughs> M&Ms. I would have paid money, though, to, like, see her, see her face the moment. Like, the split second, right, where she thought someone had shit in the door. <laughs> yeah, there is... I know that you, like, I mean, M&M's, when melted, are pretty, like, chocolatey, chocolate-forward smelling candy. But there is a moment where you open that drawer, and it's like, has this boy never learned how to use a toilet candy? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a half second when you're like, that's, whoa. Oh, okay. Bless up, Gam Gam. Yeah. Where she, she did the sign of the cross. It doesn't even. It doesn't even matter what religion she is. She still crosses herself. Come on, McGann. You yeah. should know this. Uh, my family that I come from, uh, very Irish Catholic. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Then she, then she, uh, cross of, she Celtic crossed it. <laughs> Celtic. Celtic, huh? Yeah, the, she actually, she made the sign of the basketball, which she is just a circle. She talked to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> she went down to consult the parquet. We yeah. are on a completely different <laughs> fucking railroad, she, and I'm the one that she has to pull this train in her into hands, the station here. Her her basketball pendant, and she <laughs> said their prayer. We're gonna we're gonna change directions now, and I'm gonna give the steering wheel over to Zach, who's gonna tell us his story that has nothing to do with the Boston Celtics. It might. That was your mistake. I suck at driving. However, I will continue this trail. <laughs> Everyone else, unbuckle and jump into my car, because we're going to go on a different road. Okay. But we're going to go on a very similar road. Okay. Yeah, the only reason that we have to unbuckle is because Megan was irresponsible with the driving and we crashed. Um, <laughs> now we got to get out true. and get into my car. Now we got to get out and get in the rental car that Zach's driving. So, Zach, tell us your story. How does everyone feel about... He wasn't prepared. <laughs> He wasn't prepared. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. How does everyone feel about uh, pizza? Um, I like it. I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Now, are you on vegetable. the same side or on the opposite side as our Lord and Savior, Gordon Ramsay? I, uh, what side is he on? Where Gordon Ramsay has claimed that it is blasphemous to put pineapple on pizza. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I don't... You know what? Like, do what you feel, man. Oh, speaking of blasphemy, let me show you my breasts. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mardi Gras. Please flash. Anyway. Um, Only if you send me pizza. God, how do you feel about uh, pineapple on pizza? I just want to say that we went into this podcast with me knowing that I was I was outnumbered. <laughs> I, I think it's fine, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand the... It's kind of like the the Nickelback hate, <laughs> right? Like where we woke up one day and Nickelback was a good band, but then everyone all of a sudden hated their guts. And I feel like pineapple on pizza is a very similar situation. I can get behind that analogy where it's like we woke up one day and a bunch of people were like, "Fuck you, pineapple pizza!" All right, I get that. Yeah, just like Nickelback. I'd like to, I'd like to interrupt Zachary and Megan for just a minute to to mention the fact that they're both blasphemous heathens for putting pineapple on their pizza and i hope that they die well uh i've already ripped off my for this shirt transgression to... <laughs> well i'm convinced put pineapple all over my fucking pizza um i i would like to point out that i am in fact by definition am a heathen and also would like to say that's pretty harsh dude however <laughs> um I retract my statements about wishing death upon them, but I I don't retract my statements about them being blasphemous heathens for like understandable. Their pizza. Please continue. So I mean, there, there's been a lot of heated debate uh, about the pineapple on pizza, including in 2017, where the president of Iceland. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name because I'm looking at it and my brain's going, "What the fuck?" But uh, President We're Johansson. Sorry, people in Iceland. Yeah, I'm sorry, Iceland. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But your president in 2017, Johanansson, uh, expressed his disdain for Hawaiian pizza so much that he said that if he had the power to pass the law, he would ban pineapple on pizza in Iceland. Damn, dude. That's the kind of political power I want to see. Right? That's the kind of abuse of power that I'm about. Um, uh, however, the 
prime minister of Canada at the time, Justin Trudeau, uh, also kind of went in on this saying, I have a pineapple, I have a pizza, and I stand behind this delicious creation. Aw, damn dude. So, Canada weighed in, which makes sense, because, and as you guessed it, we're going to start discussing the history of pineapple on pizza. I'm strapped in. So, strap on in. Strap in and strap on. I'm strapped on. Pizza as a as a, an American commodity actually kind of started to gain popularity in North America uh, as far as it goes. It's really credi- credited when uh, returning servicemen from World War II had pizza in Italy and were like, hey, we like it. Let's bring it back. You know, hey. I don't know why. I go New York because I think of New York pizza. Anyway, um... So, pizza started growing as an offering in a lot of restaurants in North America, and especially up in Canada, in the late 1950s and the late, in, you know, by the mid, like, mid-60s, pretty much there were pizzerias pretty much everywhere. So, this guy... Just like now. Yeah, just like now. Like, I mean, I live in, my, my parents live in a small town, and I grew up in a small town, and I think there's four pizza places. It's wild. I can confirm. <laughs> I live right down the street from his parents, and uh, if you go down the main road... There is roughly five pizza places within a mile. Yep, it's wild. Uh, they're all, uh, I think there's one good one, maybe. Um, I can I can also confirm, and the good one is Supa's. Okay. <laughs> we all have opinions. And, and we all have opinions, and they're all different. Anyway, so this guy, Sam Panopoulos, he's a Greek immigrant, uh, and he's a Greek immigrant, and he moves to uh, Chatham, Ontario, Canada. And he opens up this restaurant called the Satellite Restaurant. Um, And he offers primarily American dishes like cheeseburgers, fries, milkshakes, things like that. Uh, But he ends up expanding their offerings to, this. get this, it's weird, uh, Chinese food and pizza in right around the mid-1960s. Or sorry, yeah, like, I'm sorry, early 1960s, late 1950s. So, I like the diversification. He, yeah, he, he's like, what can I offer these people? Apparently everything. Um, so in 1962, Panopoulos just, like, looks around his kitchen, shrugs, and just dumps a can of pineapple onto a piece of pizza with some ham and starts serving it up. A hero. Use what you got. Use what you got, right? Um, and it's kind of like... Flaunt it if you got it. Flaunt it if you got it. I mean... No one really knows why Panopoulos apparently added canned pineapple onto his pizza. Um, some say... Because his last name is Panopoulos. Yeah. Pineapple, Panopoulos. Panopoulos. I never made it's that connection. I love it. It's all coming together. Um, you never made that connection? You're talking to us about a guy with the last name Panopoulos. <laughs> You're very upset, and I understand. However... <laughs> You're very upset. I'm just saying it's not a very hard lateral You're move. Right. I imagine that he was probably sitting in his kitchen going, Think, Panopolis, how do you sell more pi- <gasps> pineapple? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Think, Panopolis. So... People debate whether or what, like what. I also went New York with. I know, right? It's just the what feels comfortable, what feels right. It's just such an easy one to go to. Hey, <laughs> um, so a lot of people forget, forget about, about it. it. But uh, we're not gonna forget about why Panopolis decided to put pineapple on pizza because no one really fucking knows why. Because his last name is some last name Panopolis. Anyway, so. <laughs> Some people said it was inspired by some of the Asian dishes that he served where, you know, like, there's, like, a sweet and savory element in a lot of 
Asian dishes, apparently. Yeah. And some claim he was inspired by, like, the tiki culture that was kind of exploding. Because, you know, in the 1950s and the early 60s, following, you know, Hawaii gaining statehood in 1959, everything kind of started to get a tiki theme. It was kind of the thing to do. People fell in love and romanticized this quote-unquote exotic culture. There was a lot of tiki-themed restaurants and tiki-themed drinks like Mai Tais, all that other bullshit. And I just think this dude said fuck it because we're also talking about a guy who said, I serve hamburgers, but now I'm serving Chinese food. And now I'm also serving pizza. Let's fucking go. I mean, that sounds a lot like American everything because they try to do good at lots yeah. and end up just not knowing what they're doing at exactly. all. Exactly. Which is kind of nice, though. It's like, I think that is one of the things I do like about American cuisine adaptability is that we have a lot of options and people are like, but what if? <laughs> Adapt, overcome, invent. Yeah, I mean, like, if... If, if there is one thing that I like about America, it is the amount of, like, random innovation yeah. that we come up with. Like, things that don't really need to be innovated, but, like, once we have it, we're like, man, that was a pretty good idea. Like, good, I did want a cronut. Yeah, I did want a cronut. I did want to go to KFC and have a sandwich that was two pieces of chicken as bread. Amen, yeah. brother. That's what I I'm saying. I did want to go to a baseball game and have a hamburger that's wedged between two fucking glazed donuts. Welcome to America, motherfucker. The Ford Tacoma. Time travel, bitches. did want to go down to my local Taco Bell delicious eatery and get myself a taco that is made with a giant Dorito shell. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. That's what a I'm saying. If we applied... Taco? Dude, like, if we applied the same level of of innovation and just hard work and adaptability that we give to food in this country, we would have free healthcare I, already. Well, I was going to say, I think that the, the greatest <laughs> achievement of the American people has never been anything other than what we have done with fast food. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> I know. It's, it's honestly an art. <laughs> it is an art form beyond any other... Fuck, Michelangelo. It's a terrifying power that we should have never been. Michelangelo, there. you can you know show off the statue of David and you know talk about how you had the shittiest marble, but Taco Bell made something beautiful out of the dirtiest, grimiest gamer fuel ever, and I will bless them forever for it. This yeah. Taco Bell ad was brought to you by the Ford Tacoma. <laughs> Ford Tacoma, time travel, bitches. <laughs> Yeah, so like that's that's a quick history of uh, pineapple on pizza. I think the best closing statement about pineapple on pizza is the fact that it is a quote unquote Hawaiian dish that was inspired by Asian food and made by a Greek in yeah, Canada. I mean, that's a that's a good summary. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is like okay. I mean, that's really good, though. I think it's, like, a very hot internet debate. Or at least it was, right? I think the internet was more rife with it maybe a year or two ago. I think it was pre-COVID where everyone was like, Ew, you put pineapple on your pizza? And now that COVID has happened and everyone's at home, it's like, okay, like what you like, just stay the fuck away from it. I mean, I personally, my go-to pizza is bacon pineapple and some jalapenos wow dude that's you just said a lot to me right now 
I go with a little bit something extra other than just your standard Hawaiian-ish pizza. I like a little spice. You know, I will you know, say... You like it a spice. When I went to Korea, I got a sweet potato pizza. Okay. It was great. You know, right. I I didn't when believe I was in it at, at first. Whole Foods? Yeah. Go, no, go ahead. Tell me no. all about how you didn't believe in this pizza. No, I didn't believe in it at first. I was like, that that's not real. And then they... So was it used as a topping or was it like... Yeah, like they mashed up the sweet potato and then oh. they must have put it in like a piping bag and they, you know, squeezed it on top of the pizza and it also had cheese on it. It was like... That just... honestly sounds a little bit dope. It No, it was good because the sweet potato was sweet, but like sweet potato also has like that really nice creamy texture. Uh-huh. So it wasn't bad. It was just something that I hadn't considered. We're, we're kind of talking about the, the idea of umami in a way, where it's like Ooh, everything. Yeah. Also, I, I heard a really bad, really bad pickup line with umami in it. Oh, God. We probably don't have space for it in our podcast, but now that you've said it, I want it in my it's ears. It's, uh, hey, girl, are you made out of MSG? Because umami, you're fine. Ooh, I like that. I'll say so that anyways. to a random person on the green line heading for Boylston. With regards to favorite pizzas, one of my favorites that I've ever had, and not a frequent order because I don't go to Whole Foods a lot, but back when I was working at Whole Foods, one of the floor managers, this guy named Cam, ordered a potato barbecue pork bacon with barbecue sauce pizza. Yep. That sounds And great. essentially, it was, like, a pizza with no red sauce with, like, mashed potatoes that were mixed with, like, a barbecue sauce and cheese and pulled pork on top of it that was smothered in, like, more barbecue sauce. Yeah. And I had three slices of that before I worked that night. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Wow. Boy! See, I'm thinking about that, but then instead of making it a pizza, turn it into a calzone, and I am fucking there. Oh. I would be there nonstop. I'm going to have to eat after this. I know. Now <laughs> I should have eaten before that. I got the honger. Got the honger. I got that, is that honger. Uh, is that everything with regards to this topic, That's Jack? That's all the toppings I have for this, this za piece. That's all the toppings. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to push a little button over here, and it's going to make a loud noise, so I want you guys to cover your Oh, wait, 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 wait. What? I oh no no never mind. Just just push your button. Yeah, push okay. your button. Hang on. Yeah. Guys, cover your listeners, cover your ears as well. Oh, we took the Wayback Machine. Can you tell me more about this fight that happened? Yeah. I need to know more about this fist fight that occurred. Oh, the fist fight in yeah. the the first serious fist fight. In yeah. Congress? Do, do we have any information about the first serious fistfight in Congress? Well, I think the I think most important part of that is that it was the first serious one. Yeah. As opposed to all, like, the pussy yeah, foot in. I'm wondering if we have any metrics on why it was a serious Yeah, fistfight. what constitutes a non-serious fistfight in Congress? Also, well, I will say it, and I've said it before, I think the presidential race should include a boxing match. Anyway... All right, so let me look this up really quick. Uh, I'm on a I'm on an article called "Legislative Violence." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's aptly named. 
I fucking love it. <laughs> Let me get to the United States part. Okay, so February 15th, 1798. The story goes that the Federalist Congressman Roger Griswold of Connecticut attacked Vermont Representative Matthew Lyon with a hickory walking stick. Oh, yeah! He beat the shit out of him in the House of Representatives with this hickory walking stick. And (laughs) he was, like, beating him around the head with it and the shoulders and the arms while Lyon was trying to, like, shield himself from the blows. And then Lyon, he turns around, runs to the fireplace, right? And he takes up a pair of, like, the fire tongs that you move the hot coals around and the um, the wood. And he arms himself with those. And he goes back to the guy beating him with a hickory stick and tries to fight him with those. (laughs) I love this. And then Griswold, he trips Lion, and he he hits him in the face uh, while he's laying on the ground, right, with the hickory stick. And at that point, the two of them are separated. Okay. But then... It doesn't sound like much of a fist fight. Yeah, it's not a fist fight. It's just a uh, weapons I, it, fight. Well, it's, it's a weapons fight. It's, it's an impromptu duel, if you will. So then after a break of several minutes, uh, Lion unexpectedly pursued Griswold again with the tongs and the brawl was reignited. <laughs> oh, I amazing. love it. This reminds me of a story of my high school. There was a fight after lunch and these two girls got pulled apart and one dude that was watching from the crowd just went, bitch, in his like <laughs> highest pitched girl voice and both of the girls thought the other girl had said it and they charged at each other. I again. love it. Oh my god. Do you think that's what happened in Congress? I bet you that's what happened. Do you think like this, hey, this the speaker... Hey, this motherfucker said you're a pussy. What? Do you think whoever the 1798 um, version of Nancy Pelosi was just wish- whispered bitch and was like waited for them to <laughs> restart the fight? Man. This fight would have been over sooner if this guy wasn't such a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Honestly, power move. I love it. Absolute Hardcore. power move. Hard. I don't have a, a, a beautiful noise that I need to yell, tell the listeners to cover their ears for for this, for this next segment. But I would like to introduce uh, a new segment um, that I'm tentatively calling Where in the World is What the Fuck History? Or From Everywhere, Including Russia with Love... Or <laughs> history today, forevermore, and around the world. I can't decide. That one's no. That one's no. Too no, I like the first one because it reminds me of where in the world is Carmen that's, San Diego. Yeah, I ripped it off. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Um, but it's a new. Hey, but that's it's okay. It's, okay. Um, it's a new segment where I'm going to look at our statistics for our podcast and also thank everyone who does listen and be like, hey. You guys are really cool because you're listening to us, idiots. But I'm going to say, you know, as far as our episode count so far, we kind of took a look and we're like, oh my gosh, we have a lot of different countries that listen to us and we don't know how to feel about... Well, I mean, we feel grateful for that, but at the same time, we're like, wow, that was unexpected. So... It's very random. It's very (laughs) random. I'm going to let you guys guess what the top five countries are that listen to our podcast. Number one, the United States. That is correct. I I think that one's a given. Yes. Number two, back by popular demand, the French. No, it is not the French. Good. Stay away, you fucking cheese eater. (laughs) Is it 
Australia? No, but you're close. Uh, what? Um, I'm gonna give that is one it to our you. Cousins to the north. So I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you that one because Australia is the third, actually. So not number two, oh, but you got number three on Australia. Our cousins to the north, Canada, are number four. Number four. Okay. Our cousins to the north. N- the embarrassed yeah. hat of America. The embarrassed hat of America. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, number oh, two. Oh, wait, uh, y- We've UK. had a few really strong, uh, we've had a few really strong World War Two episodes. Is it, uh, our allies, the British? Uh, yeah. yes, United UK. Kingdom isn't at number two, now you need number five. All right, uh, we've um, also had some really good, uh, World War Two. Is it our good friends from World War II, uh, the Germans? Uh, it, <laughs> friends. <laughs> friends. Our good friends. Friends. But yes, it is uh, Das Germans. Ah, yeah. Uh, friends Germans. now, enemies before, hopefully friends in future. <laughs> I will say, uh, coming in at number six is uh, the nation of France. France. I'm wondering if there's something that we did that might have offended them as to why they bumped down our statistics, but that's okay. Jeez. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe the fact that we roast them constantly. We we mean it. I can't even. I can't even say that with a straight face. I was gonna say that we mean it with all all due respect and niceties, but I don't really know if that's honest. And I'm sorry. Well, I do. I mean it with all due respect. Hey, uh, with regards to the French being cheese eaters, like same here. So, dude, I love cheese. I'm not gonna lie. I just like scoffed down a whole thing of brie the other day so please yeah please. <laughs> i thought brie was that girl you were dating no <laughs> wow Fuck. okay and you on, get it it's a good joke it is a good one and on that note i don't have any more questions well i i think before too because we were talking about the metrics the other day there was a singular person in taiwan so uh-huh. shout out Shout out to Taiwan. Uh, also, where was that really strange place oh. with the really long? Oh, wasn't name? there one from like Uppsala, Uppsala? There was Uppsala, Uppsala. There was yeah, there was that one. No, this was a different one. This one was in Europe. It was. I believe. It was Gunzenhausen, Bavaria. Yes, ah, the great town of Gunzenhausen. Whoever out there is in Gunzenhausen, Bavaria, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Also, you're pretty cool. Yeah, shout out, man. Uh, It's important to note for anyone who's listening or still listening at this point, these are people that once listened to our podcast. Where are you gone? Come back. They didn't listen a second time, so we must have offended them. (laughs) Like, I understand if we had lost our entire French audience, depending on what episode they listened to. But Gunzenhausen, Bavaria, come on, man. Come back. We missed it. Yeah, come on back to the fold, man. Is that it? Are we done? That is, that's it. And with this, we'd like to thank you, listeners, for sitting and listening to us. It's been a joy and a pleasure for us to laugh about history with you. We come to the end of this podcast, sponsored by the Ford Tacoma time travel bitches. And I just have this to say. What the fuck, history? What you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at the Triumvirate Productions. 
on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.